With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast It is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, hanging out once again in the Vivid Seat studio. It's a Formula One weekend once again this week, Russian Grand Prix, and they're coming thick and fast. We just got uh, Singapore out of the way, so lots and lots of things to talk about this week. So why don't we just uh, dive right into it and just uh, go over the results from the Singapore Grand Prix last week. Sebastian Vettel for Ferrari, coming home, taking his first win since the Belgian Grand Prix in 2018. Who would have thought that Sebastian Vettel would have gone well over a year between race victories? Charles Leclerc coming in second for Ferrari. Ferrari's third win in a row. Belgium, Italy, now Singapore, and uh, they're starting to look pretty good. Max Verstappen rounding out the top three. Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas coming in fourth and fifth. Alexander Albon in the second Red Bull in sixth. Lando Norris and McLaren coming home seventh. Pierre Gasly, eighth for Toro Rosso. Nico Hulkenberg, ninth for Renault. And rounding out the top ten, Antonio Giovinazzi in the Alfa Romeo. All right, well, looking over at the Drivers' Championship, despite not winning the uh, the, the race or getting onto the podium this past weekend. Lewis Hamilton still way out on top, 296 points, way atop of the uh, the Drivers' Championship. Valtteri Bottas still in second place, 231 points. Charles Leclerc starting to home in a little bit on Valtteri Bottas, as is Max Verstappen. Both Charles and Max tied now with uh, 200 points. Sebastian Vettel with the race uh, victory, clawing his way back into the fight, only six points behind in fifth with 194 points. And then and way, way, way down, six in the World Championship, Pierre Gasly, Toroso driver, 69 points, Carlos Sainz, Alex Albon, Danny Ricardo, and Danny Kvyat, the torpedo, rounding out the top 10. And of course, on the constructor side, still, of course, Mercedes, they've been on top all season long, 527 points, Ferrari, 394 points, Red Bull, 289, McLaren uh, getting some more points this past weekend, uh, not looking too bad again with uh, Lando Norris uh, getting a, a solid finish, uh, Carlos Sainz had a bit of a tough race, anyhow, McLaren, 89 points in the constructors, and Renault catching up a little bit, now fifth in the constructors championship with 67 points. So, yeah, wow. (laughs) Who would have thought, like I said, off the top here? 
that it would have taken Sebastian Vettel well over a year to win a Grand Prix, but certainly Seb being a little bit fortunate of the way that the pit strategy workout uh, just uh, coming in very late uh, in in the lap they're getting the call to come in and box, and it worked out well for him. Uh, obviously, he stayed out in front, but I mean, let's give credit where credit is due. As much as he benefited from uh, Ferrari's spur of the moment uh, decision to pull him into the pits, those couple of laps that he set when he was uh, on the new tires was was absolutely, uh, I, I think, an indicator. It was a statement. I mean, he really put the hammer down and uh, he did everything he could just to, to get out in front and uh, get through some of the traffic and just to uh, make sure he stayed ahead of uh, some of his, um, his other rivals. But I am just absolutely mystified at why or what uh, Mercedes were up to when they were doing their um, their pit strategy. We will talk about that in a minute. But I, I don't know about you guys, but watching the podium ceremony after the race, did Sebastian Vettel not look a little bit uh, emotional when he was up on the top step there. I, I thought for a moment he was going to lose it. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I mean, I thought he looked like uh, he was having a bit of a a bit of a profound moment there. But I mean, he has been through some tough, tough, tough times over the past year. I mean, some of it his own fault, some of the team, some of the co- a combination, some of the bad luck. I mean, but boy, what what bad luck that uh, that this fellow has had, and uh, it is good to see that uh, Ferrari. I mean, obviously, it is um, too late in the season now to really mount a serious challenge in either the uh, the, the championships, either constructors or the drivers' championship. But it's it, it is good to see that over the past. Um, well, I'd say half dozen racers or so that it hasn't been all Mercedes way. And uh, they certainly have built up a very big, comfortable buffer in both the world uh, championships uh, at, at the top there, uh, both with Lewis Hamilton leading and then uh, Mercedes, the team, of course, leading the Constructors Championship. But they really did disappear almost into the sunset at the beginning of the year because nobody else was really able to challenge and it, it took a while obviously before uh, we saw the the other two contending teams uh, Ferrari or Red Bull really start to get their act together I mean it took a while before Max got that win in Austria it took a, a while for Charles to get his first win and it was really getting to the point that uh, I, I think obviously before the Austrian Grand, Grand Prix, I mean, just considering how dominant uh, that Mercedes were, I was thinking to myself and just wondering whether or not we would see somebody else beside a Mercedes driver win a race this year. And and of course, it's uh, turned out to, to be uh, completely true that, <laughs> that Mercedes weren't going to get it their, their own way. But it is a shame in, in a ways that it, it took uh, Mercedes, or sorry, uh, Red Bull and Ferrari so long to really kind of get their, their, their act together and uh, nothing uh, bad about the Mercedes of course I mean uh, they, they really took advantage of the, the the dominance that they had early in the season to really uh, really go out and, and and really establish a strong and healthy lead in both championships but just from a competitive and uh, from, from a neutral point of view uh, that uh, that the other two teams weren't able to challenge for race wins right off of the bat because it would have made the world championship a, a little bit more exciting but still better late than never and hopefully it's a sign of things to come because I was uh, thinking during the race that if things held and uh, of course it's almost a safe bet no pun intended that you're going to see a safety car at the Singapore uh, Grand Prix at some point or another we did see several of them in the last half of the race but it really did 
work out in in Ferrari's favor. And I was really amazed at times when uh, uh, when we got back uh, to racing, just how far that uh, Vettel and uh, and Leclerc were able to to pull away from the Mercedes. And I think it was probably the second safety car period. I mean, uh, Hamilton and Bottas really dropped off, but it uh, it was uh, I think for for fans of anybody besides Mercedes that it was just it was different. I thought, and it was a bit refreshing to see that it was the two Ferrari drivers and Max Verstappen on the podium. Uh, uh, rather than uh, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas and uh, somebody else. I mean, we, we've seen plenty of that over the years. But I think for me, one of the big surprises was that actually Ferrari were able to pull it off and, and win there. I mean, it uh, some 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 of the circumstances, some of the things that happened in the race did actually work out to their benefit, of course, with the, the, the safety cars and being able to prolong the life of their tires and not uh, lose as much uh, performance uh, that uh, they, they might do what with uh, or have the tires grain and go off. Uh, just uh, due to the fact that uh, they weren't up to racing speeds and putting all the stresses on the tire, uh, on the tires, uh, due to the fact that uh, they they were behind the safety car for a good portion of laps, so that really did help Leclerc and Vettel manage the tires longer. But it was also interesting watching uh, Vettel at the front. I mean, I really felt uh, I, again that uh, he he really looked like he was back and he really controlled it from the front. And it, it was interesting to see the way that he'd bring the cars back into the race once the safety car went off of the track and where he would really um, you know get right back up to race speeds at different uh, parts of the circuit. He really didn't make it um, all that uh, predictable. It wasn't like the same place that he was starting uh, each and every um, safety car period uh, again and really played out uh, to his benefit. And it's good to see that uh, that they've um, that they've been able to get it together and Vettel's been able to get it, get it together. But it, it does lead me now to question is, is this a bit of a flash in the pan for Ferrari? Because I think we all expected due to the straight line speed advantage that they have that they would be competitive in Belgium. They would be competitive in Monza. But coming back to a tight and twisty uh, track like uh, Singapore, although there are some fast, uh, faster sections in there, that uh, perhaps this wasn't going to be a, a, a track that really suited the Ferrari. But to see them and the Red Bull in front of the two uh, Mercedes cars was a, a real surprise. And uh, not only were they in front of them, they were able to stay in front of them uh, handily. But there certainly were a number of things uh, going on. And uh, obviously, I think one of the big talking points um, after the race was that um, that uh, Charles Leclerc said that he was very frustrated uh, by the what he called the not fair Ferrari strategy in uh, in Singapore. I mean, he qualified on pole. He opened, he led the opening phase of the the, the 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 race there, and he slowed the field up to a certain extent just to try and keep his tires a little bit, uh, you know, keep them alive a little bit longer. And it's funny too. I think these um, these predictions that they have uh, at the beginning of the race, like with the predicted pit stop windows, and they were significantly off. I think with the medium and the hards, I think the the, the, the sorry the sorry medium and soft tires pardon me I think the soft tires I think that they were predicting somewhere about uh, lap 12 and then go all the way to the end on, on the hard tires and then I think that um, the mediums were somewhere in the range of maybe lap 15 to 16 you know a little bit further but not all that much further and then all the way to the end on the on the hard tires but they they basically went double 
that the amount of uh, time uh, or amount of laps before they, they finally uh, went uh, went in, it really started to come down to, well, who's going to blink first and dive into the pits? And you always have to think that when everybody's just sort of sitting out there holding uh, in a holding pattern, that it, it always seems to be Mercedes that takes uh, the, the, the first step uh, or they seem to react better more times uh, than, than not when it comes to the overcut or the undercut. They seem to time it uh, to, perse- uh, to perfe- uh, perfection. But, you know, I can see why Leclerc uh, was uh, was disappointed and frustrated uh, about the, uh, the the result. I mean, having done so much and leading it and, and looking quite uh, handy at the the, the front of the, uh, the the pack as well. But uh, he said, um, you know, and he he said uh, quite uh, a few things over the uh, the, the the race radio, and um, he was he he was he wasn't happy about it. <laughs> I mean, he was talking about the uh, uh, with his uh, with his engineers on the pit wall uh, during the first uh, safety car period, and uh, he said, uh, "I quote, uh, my head is down, and it will be down until the race is done. I just want to let you know my feelings. To be completely honest with you, I don't understand the undercuts, but we will discuss after the race." And um, he keeps uh, going. I mean, he's uh, talking to his uh, engineer and then he uh, goes on to say, uh, quote, I won't do anything stupid. It's not my goal. I want us to finish one, two. I just don't think it is fair, but I won't do uh, anything uh, stupid. I mean, he did look, I mean, he, he did talk quite about it uh, a number of times uh, during the race, but uh, he, uh, he he did look rather frustrated, a little bit uh, ticked off uh, after the race. It was, a, it was a bit chilly, shall we say, when uh, when you saw uh, Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel, uh, you know, in Park Fermi, just waiting to do the interviews and do the podium ceremony and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you, you could tell that uh, Charles was uh, was upset. I mean, he wasn't going to do anything, I think, to spoil uh, Sebastian Vettel's moment. Uh, but, you know, like, like I was saying just now, I, I think that Vettel did, uh, I mean, whether he deserved that, uh, you know, the benefit of the, 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 the pit strategy is one thing. But, I mean... Based on where he was on the track, I think he managed the race well. He managed his car and his tires well. He, uh, I, I think, uh, navigated very well through the traffic, put in some very fast laps when he needed to. And then I think uh, behind the safety car, I think he did a very good job, um, you know, not being too predictable once the safety car was back in the pits and he was uh, getting the, the, the pack up to speed. I think just on the, the uh, on, on that, and I think he did uh, win the driver of the day poll uh, after the race too. And I, I think that he was uh, full value for money. But on the other side, I mean, you can understand if you're Charles Leclerc, who had uh, you know a very good uh, qualifying. I mean, he was uh, looking. Uh, he looks more and more mature. He looks more and more comfortable each and uh, every race. I mean, this is a guy that's uh, got less than. Uh, well, I guess he's got a couple dozen uh, Formula One races under his belt uh, now. I mean, still only been uh, with uh, Ferrari since uh, the, the beginning of this year. But I mean, each and every race, we we see that he is uh, much more mature, and uh, you just see the the, the racecraft and the talent this uh, this guy has, and it really is. Uh, refreshing to see but you know like I was saying you can understand just uh, based on all these things I mean he has a a, a very good package at his uh, disposal in terms of his own talent and uh, and a car that on its day has proven despite um, you know all indications early in the year that this Ferrari can win races I mean I don't think they're going to win this uh, weekend in Russia but uh, more on that uh, a little bit later but in uh, in these past three races I think that uh, 
finally somewhere they they've managed to find some uh, something with the with, with this car they've been able to uh, apply some updates and some tweaks here and there and uh, get the car working in uh, in a fashion that is actually beneficial to them and uh, and they're reaping the rewards of it i mean belgium was a bit of a tough race obviously for sebastian Vettel. i mean he played a bit of a supporting role monza was absolutely a hugely uh, difficult and uh, and tough race for Vettel after uh, spinning out uh, early in the race going through the um, Ascari bend there and then uh, you know clipping Lance Stroll and getting the penalty and all those um, rather embarrassing things but he looked like he was uh, back on form but uh, you know despite all that uh, Charles was the guy that was uh, was out in front he was leading and uh, it, it kind of made me wonder though that uh, is it going to be a situation that uh, sooner rather than later they're going to have to address you know who is the number one driver I mean Vettel only has one more year on his contract and I don't know. I, I really don't know if he'll come back to uh, Ferrari for, for 2021. I mean, he's still young enough. He's only 32. I mean, uh, he's obviously got a, a teammate in, uh, in Charles Leclerc who's uh, already proven to be a, a race winner. I mean, time will tell whether or not uh, he's going to be um, a, a world champion. I mean, it, it certainly looks like he's got a lot of those uh, tools at his uh, disposal. But hang on, I, I'm just going to take a really quick break here, and then we'll, we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about that here on Scooter. F1. So just uh, don't go away. We just have a quick word from our sponsors. We'll be back in just one moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to Scuderia F1 here on the Overtime Media Network. Once again, we're coming to you uh, from the Vivid Seats uh, studio. And remember, it's NFL season. NBA gets uh, going soon. NFL is, uh, well, obviously it's still going. NHL's coming up. It's a great time of year. Baseball's still going strong. Anyways, if you're going to head out to this weekend uh, to go and check out a game uh, where you live, make sure you use our special promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases for first-time customers only. Only. So there you go. Anyways, back to what we were talking about uh, with uh, Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel. Obviously, Charles looks like uh, he's got uh, a lot of great um, things going for him in terms of his own personal talent and uh, a Ferrari that's looking better as the year goes on. Uh, <laughs> seems a little bit uh, funny to say that, uh, you know, I mean, uh, based on uh, what we were just talking about, and even on this program just a couple of months ago when they were struggling so badly. But you can understand uh, why, why why Charles was so so frustrated at uh, 
you know, getting uh, the, the the short side of the decision um, to, um, you know, uh, go in a second. Because you'd think that the guy that's out front obviously is going to get the, the, the preferential treatment, get the first pit stop and all that sort of stuff. Just didn't work out. But it's a tricky, tricky situation. I mean, you're trying to keep, uh, I think, uh, two guys happy and one person isn't going to be uh, happy uh, after all that. But I mean, Charles, I mean, I think he, he does have a very good uh, head on his shoulders. I think that he did realize and he did say afterwards that uh, it, it was the first uh, one-two of the season. I think the first Ferrari one-two since uh, I think it was Hungary back in uh, 2017, if uh, memory serves correct, which is a, a very, very uh, long, uh, long time coming. But at the end of the day, I mean, even though it didn't go his, uh, you know, all his way, I mean, he had to think of the bigger picture that uh, not only does it look like one of these guys is going to win, but they're going to be on uh, on uh, on track for uh, a one-two finish. So, I mean, he did say the right uh, things. He says, uh, and I quote again, obviously it is always difficult to, to lose a win like that, but in the end it is uh, a one-two for the team, so I'm happy for that. But afterwards, uh, Charles, um, and I thought at the time too that when you he had the benefit of uh, seeing afterwards um, and see the replays and being able to, to be debriefed uh, by the engineers and uh, by the team principal Mattia Bonato and find out why they made the call that uh, that they did that in the heat of the moment he might uh, be uh, frustrated and a little bit uh, upset but he did um, go back and uh, and say that he wanted to uh, talk to the team more about uh, you know what happened and why Vettel was uh, given the first uh, pit stop uh, but uh, it was a, a one lap undercut that was uh, apparently was not planned before the race and uh, it was a discussion point uh, for them and uh, and um, Charles did say and uh, again I quote uh, because I was not aware that Vettel was going to pit earlier so I don't know if I should have pushed a bit earlier during my first stint I don't know we have plenty of data anyways and I will analyze it so Leclerc he said that uh, he would have uh, it was unlikely he would have been able to react with a faster in lap uh, had Ferrari predicted uh, he would be racing his teammate uh, for the lead and um, well I still think that, um, you know, just uh, based on the way that the track is, and I think uh, that, that Ferrari is, uh, you know, they're they're fairly evenly matched. Although I think you, you do have to give um, Charles Leclerc, I think we should, we should have this uh, discussion now or at least uh, start. I've said for years on this program that I think that, um, that Lewis Hamilton is the fastest driver over a single lap in in, in F1. But slowly, I'm starting to change that opinion that uh, that Charles Leclerc also, I think, um, well, I mean, it's a very small uh, sample uh, that, that we have for Charles Leclerc compared to Lewis Hamilton that's been in uh, Formula One for over a decade. Anyways... Charles, I think, is uh, is showing, and I mean by uh, scoring, you know, um, uh, securing a bunch of pole positions over the past, uh, you know, several races. I mean, uh, I mean, he he's gone on to show that uh, I, I think that over the course of a lap, that uh, that he is one of the fastest guys uh, on the grid. And again, I think it, I find it very interesting too that uh, that last year I mentioned it quite a few times just how much quicker Charles Leclerc was uh, than than Marcus Ericsson in the the Sauber Alfa Romeo. I mean, supposedly. Uh, equal equipment, right? And just uh, the the difference between those two guys and how usually... Charles would finish uh, much further up uh, in the final classification than uh, than Marcus Ericsson was, and and I mean this year, I mean he's out uh, qualified uh, Sebastian Vettel uh, quite a bit. I mean this past weekend, I think was maybe the seventh or eighth uh, race in uh, in a row, 
and uh, and, and Vettel. I mean, I think he did regret that one. I mean, I, I think he really set one of the the, the benchmark uh, times in Q three, and then uh, just I know that his final hot lap, he just got it a, a little bit wrong, and then decided to abort right at the very end and uh, dive into the pits. And I think that uh, that it definitely that uh, decision cost him a place on the front row. He may not have been uh, been able to to make it to, uh, so he was going to uh, snatch a pole position away from Charles Leclerc. I mean, it looked uh, for a while, I mean, when Seb was on provisional pole that he was uh, going to, uh, to, uh, to keep it or, or take it away from uh, Leclerc. But uh, Charles uh, proving that uh, that he still has that little bit extra to, uh, you know, uh, find an advantage. And uh, he did it again. But I think certainly by Vettel aborting early, uh, you know, gave uh, a bit of an opportunity uh, for uh, for Lewis Hamilton to, um, uh, you know, sneak in there between the two of them. And uh, I think obviously that uh, that is something that uh, was frustrating for him. I mean, it worked out obviously in the long run for Sebastian Vettel. But I think the point of the conversation is, uh, like I was saying, that uh, that. Uh, that that uh, Charles Leclerc over the the course of a race is just uh, or a, a single lap at any rate rate is just uh, one of the fastest uh, guys out there and you you can see though to, too that um, why he was uh, you know frustrated and, and was just not able to uh, um, you know get in front of his uh, teammate I mean he never really got to the point where he was really close enough to to really uh, challenge uh, Vettel I mean he was just in that uh, that sort of usual kind of uh, holding pattern if you want to call it that or that usual pattern that we see guys you know a second or two behind you know close but not too close and not uh, too far away and uh, doing enough to stay in front of the guys uh, b- behind him but I mean he really didn't uh, get uh, close enough to, to, to really seriously challenge for that and that was uh, actually one of the um, uh, gripes that Lewis Hamilton had uh, he was saying that uh, he believes that uh, the, the track at Marina Bay for the Singapore Grand Prix is uh, worse than uh, Monaco to pass and of course uh, Monaco being um, tight and small and short and uh, all the things that are basically the opposite of what uh, makes uh, for for good opportunity or uh, overtaking opportunities in Formula One. Uh, you know, uh, it, I found it an interesting uh, comparison, but I guess it uh, it really is. But I mean, Hamilton, of course, is not usually expecting to sit where he was sitting uh, during the race I mean uh, we would have thought that uh, I mean we're always just used to uh, one of the Mercedes and usually Lewis Hamilton uh, way out in the front and and leading from the the, the, the front of the pack so to see him in uh, in, in fourth position uh, was uh, really uh, really uh, quite uh, something uh, different but you know the, the the one thing and I mean uh, Total Wolf was even talking about it too is just uh, what's going to happen now uh, between um, you know, Sebastian Vettel and um, and uh, and uh, and uh, Charles Leclerc. Struggling to figure out and remember his name for a moment. There, it's been a long day. Uh, anyways, uh, I, I mean, he knows something uh, about uh, rivalries, don't you think? Of course, he does. Uh, going back to uh, Lewis Hamilton and, uh, and Nico Ro- uh, Rosberg, I mean, that was uh, not really uh, at times a really great uh, partnership uh, to have. I mean, it was uh, obviously very very toxic. Uh, you know, I mean. At the moment, I think that uh, it's still got to be clear that uh, Sebastian Vettel is the number one driver uh, at Ferrari. I mean, Charles, uh, I mean, he's he's making a case each and every week that uh, obviously he deserves to be there. But I mean, he's also making a, a very good case that he should be the number one uh, driver. So, I mean, if uh, Sebastian Vettel sticks there beyond uh, next year and into 2021 and beyond, it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, team is uh, structured. You know, uh, would they be uh, Vettel? 
Vettel as number one and Charles number two just by virtue that, you know, senior and junior driver kind of thing? Or would they be co-number ones? Would they make uh, Charles uh, a number one driver? I mean, have we seen peak Sebastian Vettel in Formula One? Uh, have we seen peak Sebastian Vettel at Ferrari? I mean, is, is he going to get another sweetheart deal there? I mean, is he still going to be the number one guy? I mean, there's a lot of things there, but uh, um, Total Wolf, I mean, he, like I say, a guy that knows a thing or two about, uh, you know, controversial uh, moments uh, between uh, drivers and, and, and controversial um what do you want to call it? Uh, toxic relationships. He obviously knows uh, what he's talking about, but I would think it, it's a little bit uh, too soon. I mean, uh, just going back to the discussion about the uh, uh, Vettel's undercut, which uh, eventually uh, gave him victory and robbed uh, Charles Leclerc. I mean, you can obviously see uh, why it's going to be um, you know a frustrating uh, thing for um, uh, for uh, Charles Leclerc. But uh, on the on the flip side, I mean, uh, is it really to the point where they're going going to be, um, you know, really toxic? Is it going to get uh, to that point? Is it going to de- uh, devolve to the point like we saw with uh, Lewis Hamilton and, uh, and Nico Rosberg? I don't think so. And I mean, if it was, I mean, I still think it's a, it's a very, very early to have that, uh, that, that conversation. I mean, um, after all, I mean, the, the, the big thing was at the end of the day that, uh, that Ferrari did come home, uh, one and two, and they, they did consider flipping them, them around later in the race and, uh, issue the team orders to, uh, to, to swap around, but it would be a very, very difficult thing. I mean, you want to do by, uh, right by Charles. I, I mean, he did, uh, you know, fall uh, on, on the wrong side of that uh, that that pit strategy I mean just because they decided to, to react sooner rather than later and uh, and try the undercut and uh, and and it worked out for them I mean uh, so you, you can see why he'd be frustrated that uh, that that was really the point that the uh, that the race uh, evaporated for from him so I mean he I guess I don't know if he was expecting the uh, the, the the team orders to come or that uh, it would just automatically uh, be given but on the flip side you have Sebastian Vettel that um, that has uh, been struggling in the car and uh, you know for for well over the uh, a year he's finally winning a race i mean he had a race uh, taken away from him uh, earlier this year when uh, he was uh, given that uh, that uh, penalty for the safe entry or re-entry onto the track when he was dicing with uh, lewis hamilton i mean he still ma- maintains that race or he won that race even though uh, you know the, the the record books and the the, the stewards uh, said otherwise i mean um I don't know. It uh, it just uh, to me it seems like too much uh, too soon to to really think that there there's bad blood uh, between them. I mean, I think uh, once Charles uh, had uh, the the opportunity to see why uh, the the team made the call that they did and uh, things unfolded the way that they did, that it was a, a little bit more obvious. And I mean, he, he said afterwards that uh, that he was uh, quite satisfied with the uh, with the, um, uh, the the decision they made. But boy, that would have been uh, a tough one. I think that that may have been the call that would have basically killed any mojo that uh, Sebastian Vettel had. I mean, I think after all the things that he that he went through, he kind of uh, benefits uh, from uh, a piece of good luck that uh, you know what really wasn't his own. I mean, he. Uh, I mean, that's just. The, just, I think, a fair comment, but, uh, you know, to take that race away from him later on because of the uh, team uh, team orders, and I mean, just the thing, uh, you know, from a confidence uh, point of view, I think uh, would have been uh, 
quite uh, quite cruel. I mean, it's a tough call. I mean, you, you have to, like I say, you got to do right by Charles. But do you really want to take that uh, that win away from uh, Sebastian Vettel after uh, you know everything that uh, that that he's been through? So, you know, I guess that that's uh, once again the, the the difference why you know I sit here and do what I do at home, and then uh, people like uh, Total Wolf and Mattia Bonato and uh, you know any one of these uh, team principals, especially at the bigger uh, bigger teams, get paid such a uh, big bucks because you know they they, they deal with the uh, situations uh, like that and. Uh, <laughs> I don't envy them at times as much as I think that uh, if the opportunity ever arose, which it's probably never going to, I mean, uh, to, to, to work in Formula One would obviously be amazing. But uh, th- those big and massive uh, decisions like that, uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if I've got the fortitude to pull uh, something uh, like that off. Uh, anyways, uh, let's uh, move ahead. And um, Total Wolf team principal at uh, Mercedes says that uh, he wants to dismiss what uh, he calls the easy story of a Ferrari upgrade impact. And I, th- I think that's a, a, f- a fair statement. I mean, it, uh, I mean, the reason why they lost that race wasn't all due to the fact that, uh, that the Ferrari's been better over the past couple of races. I mean, uh, it was a combination and undoubtedly Ferrari has uh, been, been better over the past couple of years, but not, or sorry, the past couple of races, that's <laughs> been the past couple of years. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have been better. They have been faster. The, the, the car is obviously, uh, they're, they're, they're finally getting some more out of it that the, the, the potential that they thought it had at the beginning of the year. However, I mean, I, I can see uh, Toto's point. I mean, uh, it wasn't all down to what uh, Ferrari put on the track. I mean, that race was as much lost in the pit rates or pit lane as it was out on the track. And it was a bad call that they made. And I mean, it's very, very uncharacteristic of uh, Mercedes uh, to, to do, you know, make mistakes like that. But uh, it, it was just one of those things. That's just the way that it played out. And that's just the way that it happened, as astounding as, uh, as it might be. I mean, uh, Toto, I think, is pretty much a, uh, you know, a straight, uh, uh, a straight shooter. But I mean, there are a, a lot of things. I mean, uh, one of them was the Ferrari was better. Number two, their strategy didn't help. And number three, I mean the um, the uh, uh, the the safety car periods actually benefited uh, Ferrari because I mean they were talking about it on uh, the, the the race radio. I think it was Lewis Hamilton uh, that was uh, speculating at one point uh, he, that he thought that uh, perhaps uh, uh, Ferrari were going to, to to one or sorry to two stop it. So it uh, certainly was a, a fascinating uh, situation uh, to watch. But I mean uh, again, just what is a Equally as uh, fascinating to me is uh, Total Wolf uh, trying not to, uh, or doing his best not to give uh, his rivals anything more than they, they uh, really deserve, at least in his own mind. Anyway, it's time for another break. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Scuderia F1 here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly coming to you once again from the Vivid Seats studio and just talking about uh, team orders or the possibility uh, of the Ferrari version at any rate. We'll go on and now talk about uh, Mercedes team orders of their own and that was the fact that they had to tell Valtteri Bottas to back off and uh, to uh, avoid an undercut of their own but this one was going to be on his uh, teammate uh, Lewis Hamilton who uh, actually was the last one to top or pit out of the, uh, the, the front runners there. 
And I can understand why. Obviously, Lewis is the five-time world champion. He's the undisputed number one in that team. But Valtteri Bottas, I mean, uh, each in, well, I mean, it doesn't happen a lot, but I mean, there have been uh, plenty of examples uh, over the years uh, that uh, that he's uh, firmly entrenched in the Lewis Hamilton uh, friend zone. I mean, uh, that was always uh, going to be a thing that, uh, you know, I mean, he's obviously going to win the world championship, Hamilton, that is. Uh, but until it's uh, mathematically uh, sealed, they're going to uh, keep uh, doing that. I mean, there's been plenty of uh, other examples of um, uh, uh, Bottas uh, having to, uh, you know, uh, play and toe the line and uh, or play along and uh, do what it takes uh, for, for the team rather than his own uh, own interest. But it must be uh, frustrating knowing that uh, you're doing everything that, uh, that, that you need to. But uh, at times, if things are just a little bit uh, too uh, close, uh, you're never going to get the, uh, the, the, the benefit of those uh, calls. But uh, Total Wolf did say, uh, at least publicly, that he didn't feel too good in having to issue that team order to, to get uh, Bottas to back off. But uh, I can imagine Lewis would not have been very pleased had um, he been passed undercut by his uh, by his own uh, team. Anyways, uh, Max Verstappen said that uh, Singapore was a, a wake-up uh, for uh, Red Bull. And, uh, well, I mean, he did uh, struggle to match and keep up with uh, Ferrari and uh, Mercedes uh, during uh, qualifying. I mean, uh, he was uh, uh, saying it was uh, more a lack of grip than anything else, uh, even though he did uh, end up uh, clinching fourth on the starting grid. And... Um, he did manage to uh, obviously uh, climb ahead and, and finish ahead of Lewis Hamilton, but I mean that was more due to uh, uh, good uh, planning and uh, and uh, and strategy rather than anything else. I mean he did have some substandard uh, weekends in Spa and Monza, but I mean it's still a bit of a, a process. Uh, I mean they're still uh, uh, trying to get it figured out at Red Bull, but a little bit uh, disappointing. And uh, Max, uh, he was quite candid and forthcoming. I said, "I quote, not good enough. We came here to win and clearly didn't yesterday." I think was worse than today but i would say it's a little wake-up call from austria onwards it's maybe our worst race in terms of uh, performance uh, where we expected to, to be really good i have a few ideas why it went wrong so we will analyze all of them and see if we can already be better in sachi the layout is not amazing for us but as you can clearly see if the car is working through corners or not i think you're clearly there it's too, in too many corners the car is not working like i wanted it to we'll go home and see what we can do uh, better yeah obviously i mean it was a third place but I mean, it, uh, you know, I mean, he got ahead on strategy rather than on the track. But I mean, I think Max is being a little bit, uh, a little bit harsh. But I, I guess when uh, you just uh, know you don't have that uh, performance, you just don't have that little bit extra to really challenge for for a race win. Um, that that must be uh, fairly uh, frustrating. Let's talk about uh, Verstappen's former teammate, uh, Pierre Gasly, who had uh, a pretty good uh, race on uh, Saturday, I mean, or Sunday. Uh, he uh, He's back at uh, Toro Rosso after being uh, flipped around uh, mid-season in, uh, in favor of uh, Alex Albon. Uh, but uh, he said that uh, he feels like he's driving more naturally at uh, Toro Rosso. And, uh, and he's uh, been back with the team now for three uh, weekends since uh, he was uh, demoted uh, from Red Bull. So, I mean, he's been there since uh, Belgium just after the summer break. And... Uh, I guess there was a little bit, uh, uh, you know, there, there was a time to, to learn and try and fit in uh, with, with uh, the, the Red Bull senior team and a little bit of uh, time to get used to, to things uh, again at Toro Rosso. But good for him, I mean, to, to be in a, in a place that's uh, working for him. I mean, 
I, I mean, I was critical about him when he wasn't uh, doing quite what he needed to to uh, when he was uh, with Red Bull. But uh, I, I mean, he did well. I mean, let's uh, give uh, some credit uh, when uh, you know when, uh, when when we should. And I mean, he did very well to to, to finish in eighth. And um, you know, I mean, that's that's the thing with uh, with the Toro. So I mean, uh, at times uh, throughout the year, they have been able to uh, to to get some points here and there. And I think that uh, really goes to to show why they are in the world championship i mean they're obviously miles uh, off of the um, the uh, the lead but i mean 55 points kind of right in the middle there there's six in the um, in the world championship i mean there are a dozen points behind renault who are in fifth who are kind of the best of the rest of the rest and they're uh, well nine points ahead of uh, racing points so they're kind of right where they they, they should be but um, it's, it's good to see I, i'd like to see uh, some of these smaller teams uh uh, do well. Now, uh, McLaren, a team that's uh, not a smaller team and has uh, struggled, obviously, uh, quite a bit uh, over the years, uh, said that they're really looking at some uh, cons- what they call conceptual changes for its 2020 uh, car as they want to want to build on the progress that they have uh, made uh, the, this season. And um, it's it's good. I mean, it is very good to see them at that um, at the head of the best of the rest of, uh, of, of Formula One behind Mercedes, Ferrari, and Toro. So, I mean, you know, people don't go racing to finish fourth, but uh, still, I mean, uh, considering where they were just a couple of years ago, really out in the hinterland, out in the um, the, the back of beyond in, in Formula One, just uh, because they were just so terrible. I mean, the car wasn't uh, good or wasn't as good as they, uh, they, they believed and, uh, and said publicly. And I mean, obviously they, they had lots of uh, problems uh, with, with the Honda uh, engines, but over the past uh, year, I mean, um, certainly there were signs of it uh, at times uh, last year, but this year has uh, been completely different. So, I mean, there, there's obviously a bit of a risk in um, going with a bit of a, a design change, a bit of a, a change to the philosophy of what's uh, going into the car. And I mean, it's, it's, I mean, there there is obviously uh, something that uh, that they uh, would uh, forfeit what they would give up if they don't uh, you know uh, keep building on what they've been doing over the past couple of years, and especially really build off of the positives uh, of 2019 so far. But it uh, they know that they have to uh, make some big progress if they're going to go from best of the rest to uh, rather than finishing a mile behind uh, you know the whoever the fifth and sixth place cars uh, you know so it's usually a Ferrari or a Red Bull or Comp combination thereof. Um, But they're going to have to make some bigger steps if they want to be in that con- conversation. I mean, they want to be back where they're, uh, they're they're scoring points off of podiums and race wins and stuff like that. But you know, they they've been away from the top uh, for a little bit now, and I mean, they've uh, they they've obviously had their struggles. I mean, they've had to replace some people. They brought uh, brought new people in, but uh, they're looking like a very well managed uh, team at the moment. I mean, the results uh, speak for itself. But uh, maybe, maybe that's what's uh, what, what's worth it in the long time. I mean, I know it's been bleak for them. In terms of silver uh, silverware over the you know the recent times, but would I, I guess that's the the, the sixty four thousand dollar question? Would you, if you were in that uh, that situation, uh, do away or or reprioritize? Uh, you know, like uh, the, the the design concept uh, that uh, in order to to make the steps uh, forward. I mean, it's an aggressive thing, uh, you know, an admirable thing if that's uh, that's the way that they uh, uh, go and uh, and maybe forfeit uh, the, the the position you already have. I I mean, uh, it's a it's a very difficult uh, call to make, and again, <laughs> probably one. I don't know if I was in the situation if I'd be able to make it on my own. Anyways, time for one final uh, commercial break here on Scooter F1. Don't go away. We'll be back in just uh, one moment. 
All right, welcome back to Scuderia F1 here in the Vivid Seat studio. And uh, Total Wolf, well, there always seem to be plenty of Total Wolf uh, quotes out there. It's never difficult to, to plan a show, uh, you know, each and every week when when I know that uh, there, there's always going to be something out there that uh, Toto has to say on uh, on something. Anyways, he believes that um, Formula E racers Stoffel Van Dorn and Nick de Vries are in uh, what he calls a never-say-never position about uh, future Formula One drives. So uh, I guess he's uh, hinting that uh, perhaps uh, we, we could see them back in in, in Formula One. And um, I think it would be interesting uh, to see what happens uh, with uh, Van Dorn. I mean, he kind of um, faded away a, a little bit uh, from from Formula One when he left to Mercedes before he went to, to, to Formula E, but that was it was not a good place. I mean, he kind of got there at the, 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 the wrong time, and let's not forget that this is a guy who was a reserve driver for uh, McLaren um, for uh, uh, you know before he got a race seat, and uh, what was it, that year that um, that uh, Fernando Alonso had that horrible crash in, uh, in, in Melbourne, and then you go to Bahrain about uh, a week or so later for the second race of the year, and uh, Van Dorn drives in because uh, Fernando is still not 100% uh, recovered from that uh, that crash. He goes out, he scores a P10, a, a single point in his Formula One debut. And I thought that was, um, you know, very, uh, very, very impressive. So it's, it's good to hear that. I mean, he, he's a guy that hasn't uh, disa- uh, disappeared from uh, from Formula One. And uh, as well, Nick de Vries, uh, I mean, here's a guy that um, that is uh, leading the championship, uh, or sorry, the, the Formula Two standings. And he was also a McLaren junior from, from 2010 until uh, 2018. So, I mean, there's a uh, two very, very uh, good drivers. So, you know, watch uh, this uh, space. So, uh, just uh, we were talking a little bit uh, earlier about uh, 2021. So, uh, Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton have slammed what they call a BS reverse grid uh, idea, a race idea, and that's uh, one of these things that they're they've considered uh, implementing uh, for uh, for 2021. And it's basically uh, taking your slow cars and putting them at the front and have the fast cars come from the behind. And, you know, I find that uh, a bit of a gimmicky idea i mean they went to they use the more explicit word for 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 bs and we use it on the show here because it's a bit of a rated e for everyone program but still uh i don't like it either i i mean i want to see more exciting races with more overtaking and i want to see some more parody but i mean that's flipping it around like that and having the slow cars go first and have the faster cars at the back that that just doesn't uh, do it for me i mean uh, both of them speaking out uh, you know quite uh, vociferously about that and uh, ross braun the uh, motorsports uh, director for formula 1 and uh, he's responded to to that and um, <laughs> well i mean the, uh, I, I mean, once you have guys like uh, Vettel calling it BS and uh, the completely the wrong approach, I mean, they're going <laughs> to, it's got to say something, right? And um, Braun addressed, I mean, didn't uh, say anything um Rename anyone uh, per se, but uh, he said that he uh, was going to address a variety of statements from what people he called drivers and pundits. Anyways, and I quote, uh, to try and clarify the situation and avoid misunderstandings, there are discussions about experimenting in 2020 with the changes to the qualifying format with the aim of making a Grand Prix weekend a little less predictable. I want to emphasize the word experiment because this is what it is about. A small sample to establish the directions for the future. We are all too well well aware that the current qualifying format is exciting and spectacular, but what is also important is to make sure that the race, the highlight of the weekend, is the best it can be. And since no matter how many situations or simulations you run, there's no measure more accurate than the track Formula One, the teams, and the FIA are studying the possibility of a revised format with a small number of events for next season. 
with stable sporting and technical re- regulations in place for 2020 is the perfect uh, time to uh, to make such evaluations. That's okay. That's fine. I, I totally get that, and I, and I appreciate that. <laughs> just what, whatever you guys do, don't make it uh, don't make it too different just for the sake of being different, and uh, you know don't ruin anything that's um, you know already good. I mean the uh, the qualifying format is really exciting, like he says. I really like it the way that it is. So don't mess it up, guys. Don't go. You mess it up with uh, something um, really gimmicky. Anyway, so just to finish that up, uh, a couple of thoughts on uh, 2021. And FIA President Jean Todt has said that uh, he has yet to see what he calls solid new team interest uh, for Formula in 2020. And uh, there are no solid contenders, as he calls them, good enough uh, to step in uh, in 2021. Should uh, somebody leave or they want to expand the grid or whatever, if they want to have more teams in Formula One. But still, I mean, the, that, that seems kind of obvious to me because nobody knows what the uh, the, the, the regulations for 2021 look like uh, just yet. So, I mean, uh, until that uh, is done and uh, what the future and, and what the shape of the sport is going to look like, you can imagine not uh, not everybody's going to be uh, eager to, uh, to, to jump in without uh, knowing everything, uh, you know, or at least as close to the final version of what those rules are, are going to be. Anyway, so let's just talk a little bit briefly about uh, the, the the Russian Grand Prix at uh, Sochi this weekend. It's starting to get a little bit late here. I've been up since 5.30 this morning, so I'm starting to get, uh, my, my eyes are getting heavier by the moment. Uh, let's uh, let's just put it that way. So anyways, uh, just uh, some fast uh, facts about uh, the Sochi uh, Autodrome. There's a, it's a 53-lap race. Uh, the uh, circuit length is just a smidge over 5.8 kilometers long. Total race distance of 309.75 kilometers. The tires that are going to be brought this week are the uh, the hard compound C2s, the medium C3s, and the soft C4s. So Valtteri Bottas holds the lap record of a 135.861, which he set back in uh, in 2018. So again, when uh, when it comes to um, you know race winners. Th- Mercedes has won this race every year since it was uh, reintroduced in 2014. And way back when, in 1913 and 1914, um, uh, Georgi uh, Savorin and Willy Schall won the, uh, the, the Russian Grand Prix. This is pre-Formula 1, obviously, and they were driving for Benz. And since... 2014, Lewis Hamilton has won it three times. Nico Rosberg has won it once, and Valtteri Bottas has also won it once. So, I mean, every time they've there's ever been a Grand Prix in Russian, it has been won by a Mercedes-Benz car, be it now or a hundred years ago. <laughs> Nobody else has won it. So, uh, it, I, I just don't see it as a track that's really going to suit uh, Red Bull or Ferrari. So, I think that uh, th- this is going to be one. I, I think that's going to be uh, wrapped up uh, by uh, Mercedes. It just uh, seems. Uh, like it sets up uh, nicely for them uh, to get back on uh, winning ways uh, this weekend. And uh, obviously by the time that this show comes out, uh, it'll be uh, Thursday around the world, which means that uh, free practice inches ever closer and the, uh, the the Grand Prix itself is inching ever closer. And again, I love these uh, back-to-back weekends in Formula One. Gives you something to look, or look forward to during the long and boring hours uh, during uh, a work week. But there you go. Only a couple more days 
until Formula One. Can't wait. Anyways, I'm going to leave it there. Like I said, it's late. I'm tired. I'm falling asleep here at the uh, the, the the computer. So thank you so very much for downloading and listening to the show. If you want to get in touch uh, and talk about anything you've heard or something you want to discuss or you've got some feedback, you can do so by emailing me at uh, scutheriaf one pod at gmail.com or you can send us a tweet on Twitter at scutheriaf one pod Anyways, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the Russian Grand Prix and we'll talk again very, very soon. Ciao. listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.